You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us out on Twitter, at Walker Mail. At Doug Branson, LOH, we don't have Nada in with us today, but you can still check him out on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe, and you can find the show handle on most social media platforms, at Locked On Hornets. But we do have Doug a part of it for the first time this week. Doug, good to have you back. And we're actually in the Essex Home Studios of 730 The Game, ESPN Charlotte. I want to give a shout-out to Gittimer.com Studios that actually sponsors the podcast. So if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. But Doug actually coming on my home turf today. Yeah, this feels like an away game for me. Like, I don't know exactly where the locker rooms are. Uh, I need someone to help me. Uh, everything looks different. It feels different, but I'm going to do the best that I can today. That's all I ask of you. And also, you're coming off of a Harry Potter high where you just finished the entire series last night, correct? Harry Potter high? Maybe like Harry Potter low. That series, if you haven't seen it, it gets dark <laughs> at the end. A lot of bad stuff happens at the end. And it's a brutal series. I ex- I came into it expecting a, a kids' movie kind of atmosphere, and you get that at first. It hooks you in with that at first, but then all of a sudden, characters start dying, and they're not coming back. Well, sometimes they come back as ghosts, <laughs> but it's a brutal series. Did you like it? I enjoyed it for the most part. There was there were movies that you I were liked. critical on Twitter of it. Well, because you know. It's a, it's a little unbelievable. I mean, there are some parts <laughs> well, that are yeah. a little unbelievable. What, what part was unbelievable about the Harry Potter series? You didn't believe all that? Here's the most unbelievable part. That this school, Hogwarts, right, they allow Slytherin to be a part of their organization despite the fact that the most evil dark wizard of all time is, is rooted <laughs> in that school. They are letting the wolf just hang around the hen house. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the series... The uh, the uh, one of the headmasters or one of the, the the older teachers says, put all of Slytherin in the dungeon. It's like, oh, now, now you make that decision after everyone has died. It's a little too Unbelievable. late. Unbelievable. It's a little too late. No, they I don't know what kind of school they're running over there at Hogwarts. Listen but- to my official Harry Potter podcast. Locked on Harry Potter. Locked on Harry. That's exactly <laughs> what we're going to turn it into today. Actually, let's just go with the Charlotte Hornets. So they do play the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. They are 3-7 and seven on the road. Uh, the overall record for the Charlotte Hornets is 11-12. and 12, And hopefully, if they keep going by the by the way they've been playing so far, is that they're going to win tonight, content to 500. They've been 500 pretty much every single two-game span of the season. There hasn't been a two-game losing streak. There hasn't been a two-game or a three-game losing streak. There has not been a three-game winning streak. So we'll see if they're able to do that same exact thing tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But, Doug, you heard the last couple of podcasts. Nick Batum getting a lot of discussion right now. It hasn't been a great year for him. There was a stretch I thought that was okay for him, but the New Orleans Pelicans game, logging only 14 minutes in that one, it was bad. Bad. A lot of people, it sparked a lot of Nick Batum discussion. Your thoughts on Nick Batum? Let's get Doug's take on it. Is it a good year for Nick Batum? Is it a bad year for Nick Batum? Is it an okay year for Nick Batum? I don't really know. I'll tell you this much. It's a weird year for Nick Batum. And I say I don't know because there are statistics that you can throw at this thing from both sides. I was looking at a graph from NBA Math where they do their total points added and and he's you know in terms of his usage he's pretty far up the scale in terms of the amounts of amount of points that he adds he's right there with Jeremy Lamb and it's because when he does shoot the basketball 
it has been somewhat more efficient than he has shot it in years past. It's just his usage is way down. And that's why you heard from Coach Borrego when asked about Nick Batum's performance. He kind of put the onus on himself, on, on, on Coach Borrego, in that he's not getting play calls uh, that will that could allow him to to force some action offensively. It had they have been going with what they know. They've been going with a lot of Kimball Walker, a lot of Tony Parker. They've been creating a lot of their action uh, from the point position, and you wonder how much of that is the play calling and how much of that is you know Nick Batum because he was up. You remember last season Walker? He was upset. Uh, at, at, but around the middle of the season, he was upset that he wasn't as big a part of the offense as, as he had been in years past with the addition of Dwight Howard. Well, he's less a part of the offense now. What gives? And, and so what's interesting to me and something that we haven't I've discussed a little bit, but you're running into the same problems with Borrego that you, you had a couple of the same problems with Steve Clifford. And you can go back to Malik Monk. It was a year difference, a rookie to their second year season in the NBA. It is very different, of course, with the offseason that you undergo, especially with the health that Malik Monk had more so this offseason than he did heading into his rookie year. But Steve Clifford found Malik Monk unplayable at times. That's what's happening with Borrego here lately. Nick Batum, we still constantly discuss how we get the most out of a guy that we're paying close to the max contract to. We had a lot of problems with the way that Nick Batum has performed the last couple of seasons. Now you're getting some problems with Borrego again. And I'm not doing this to try to say Steve Clifford you know, was so great and Borrego's not different. That's not at all. I think Borrego's done a really good job because you can also see the difference that he's had in MKG. And I think there is something huge to be said for that. His coaching job with MKG the ability to shoot more three-pointers I'm happy that Borrego's here and I think he's done a good job but there are a couple things that we're continuing to talk about no matter who the head coach is at least with the one change that you've had to Borrego yeah and I think part of the problem is Walker and you can agree or disagree with this but I think part of the problem with Nick Batum is uh, hold on I can I can do either one I can agree or disagree you with can this. you can do either have, agree right. or disagree those are your two options those okay. are your only two options so Nick Batum, I think the problem is partly optics in that he's not hitting big shots. He's not hitting shots that we remember. The Hornets are, are still losing close games because, again, if you look at, at his shot efficiency, it's, it's higher than it has been in, in years past. So overall, he's, when, he, when he has shot the basketball, he's been a more effective offensive player, but we haven't seen him knock down shots in big moments, which was, in my mind, a signature of his in that first season with the Hornets when when he helped lead them to a a, a first round playoff uh, appearance, big shot Batum. No, he was certainly better. You got like that's the thing. You got one good year of Batum, at least where I think everybody would more so agree than disagree. Right, that you got one good year. For, I think from Nick Batum, and that was the first season where a lot of people wanted him to be signed. There was a lot of people advocating for them to sign Nick Batum, especially with the salary cap spike that was huge because of the NBA TV money that you were getting. And Nick Batum was at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Not everybody. Some people saw this coming, but there was a lot of people that wanted Nick Batum to come here. And so you got that one year where it kind. Of warranted at least a look at giving him some big boy money and since then it's not like he was crazy efficient even in his first year shooting about 43 percent from the field he's dipped in the last two seasons but now this season he is more efficient but the usage rate is down and you're getting you're getting some good numbers but the usage rate is down it seems like he is a little bit more out of the offense even more so than usual his field goal attempts per game are down even two and three from what they were the yeah, last what's, couple so, of seasons so what's going on there is that on Nick Batum because I think that there are certain NBA players that can set the action for themselves 
like a Russell Westbrook saying he doesn't need coaching. Like he doesn't yeah. need to be coached. He doesn't need other teammates. He doesn't need play calls. Don't even bother bringing out that little the dry erase board with the basketball court on it. But break that in half, throw it out. Russell Westbrook doesn't need that. But I think there are other players like Nick Batum, who has commented before uh, during the the short Silas stint, he commented that, that he uh, sort of insinuated that he missed Clifford because Clifford knew what plays to run and what action to, to get going to to involve Nick Batum in the way that he likes to be involved. Yeah, the problem is is that there were even problems the last couple of years with Clifford that Nick Batum still wasn't exactly sure. doing the best. And so right. he wanted Clifford, and so that he didn't want Dwight. Like, that's the thing about Nick Batum, right? Like, okay, you're kind of running out of excuses now. So I'm not trying to make no, excuses. I, 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 I want to be clear on this. I'm not trying to make excuses well, no, you for love Nick, Nick Batum. Batum and no. you don't think he can do anything wrong. No, that's not that's not how I feel at all. Actually, it's a joke. I, I know, but I well, you listen. You have to make these things clear because the 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 heat on the Nick Batum talk right now amongst the fan base, I think, is it's hot fire. Is as high as it's ever been, and we've seen Nada uh, kind of get burnt a little bit. Well, that's why that. he's suspended. That's not why he's not, he's, he's not allowed he's, to be on the podcast because you know it's it's a hot topic right now, and a lot of that has to do with his contract number, and we can get into that uh, uh, briefly. Uh, but I, I just. Oh, this is your show. I'm sitting there telling you how how Doug. Briefly. Please no feed me. Right, I want sorry. to know. No, this is this is you. You're the producer. You put the content together. Let's hear it. Well, well I want to well, hear what you have to before say. Before the contract talk, though, I just have to say that yeah, I I don't. I think that you need a better Nick Batum to not only make the playoffs but be a factor in the playoffs. Like this team needs that. Either needs to get rid of Nick Batum and and look for another option, or they need a better Nick Batum. But my question is, this season is so weird. The numbers are so weird for Batum, it makes me wonder what's going on. Like, is this something within Nick Batum or within the team? And so I don't doubt that Nick Batum isn't playing all that well, and I'm with you that it's a little bit of a weird conversation to have surrounding him because there are some numbers that suggest he's okay and there are that aren't. But I'm with you that Nick Batum needs to play better for a threat in the playoffs if you're a first-round team. I mean, I, I don't know how much of a threat they could be even with decent Batum against a Celtics a Celtics team that figures it out. Milwaukee, Toronto, I wonder. But also, I'm to the point now with Nick. I, I said this the other day. Like, I'm, I'm cool with getting efficient Nick Batum in the way that he's kind of playing right now because the New Orleans game, it set everybody off. I mean, you look at the last, again, the seven games that he played before that, he was getting 30 minutes. He was shooting 50% or above at every single one of those games. Yeah, but he's not putting together. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I think so much of this is optics where he's he has not put a string of games together like Jeremy Lamb just did. See, Jeremy Lamb had a bad game against the Pelicans too, right? But, but the three right. games prior... He had 20-point performances, very efficient offensive performances, very aggressive offensive performances that helped them win basketball games. You haven't had that from Nick Batum, so the fan base and we don't have anything to reference in terms of, well, well you have to look at these games. We don't have those games. No, you, we don't, but it's also not the gaudy numbers. Like, Jeremy's putting up 20. Nick wasn't doing that, and you're right about that. But also the contract in question like there's also not the stigma of the contract surrounding land. and i know you don't want to have this conversation no i understand its importance i understand that it is extremely fair in fact you need to hold him accountable to the contract we've had this conversation a million times i wake up every single morning we have charlotte hornets on the rundown we talk nick batum's contract and how the guy's overpaid we get it like Nick Batum is a bottom 10, bottom 15 contract. May, probably Yeah, once you put pen it's, to paper, it's, it's, it's over. It's an, right? awful, it's an awful contract. Can't redo it. I get it. it. The conversation, like, I, I would like to have conversations kind of 
not despite the contract, but acknowledging us, acknowledging that it's bad and not having to mention that out loud anymore. And I agree with you. I'll just say that I what I don't agree with is let's not factor it in to evaluating his performance. And, and this is why, because we live in a capitalistic society here in the United States of America. And that means that we expect people to perform at the level at which they are paid. That's just something that's sort of ingrained into the American culture, into the American psyche, into the American work ethic. So people say, well, just put the contract aside. Let's just evaluate Nick Batum for what he is. No, no, you are what you make to a certain extent. And I think that's completely fair game. And I think it should be part of the conversation. Well, he's definitely not $26 million. I can't imagine anybody age for just as little as $1 a month. Just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Again, it's patreon.com slash LOH. Patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more before the Minnesota Timberwolves game tonight. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson here today. Minnesota Timberwolves again tonight. Haven't fared so well against the Western Conference opponents. A couple of losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You had the losses to Utah and the New Orleans Pelicans, giving up 119 apiece to each of those teams. The defense has not been good. Now you're having to go up against Minnesota without Marvin Williams. I would imagine it's going to hurt you defensively tonight, but the lack of it is going to hurt you and drop the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I actually did a preview on the Locked On Timberwolves podcast that you had with Colton Molesky, and we discussed just how well defensively that Minnesota is playing right now. And remember in that trade where they got rid of Jimmy Butler, who was affecting everybody, Carl Anthony Towns has been a lot better since Jimmy Butler was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. What a surprise. They were able to get Dario Saric and Robert Covington in that deal. And we were discussing how our podcast this year has turned into a Locked On Kimba podcast. It's turned into a Locked On Derrick Rose and Rocco podcast in Minnesota as those two guys have been some nice surprises for the team this season that you had no clue were going to perform like they are for that team because one, Covington wasn't on the team and Derrick Rose, what the hell? We're in 2011 again. So with those two guys performing really well for the Timberwolves, I think those are a couple of players to look at, especially with Robert Covington shooting so well from beyond the arc and defending an extremely high rate. Cat shooting well from three-point range. Derrick yeah. Rose shooting well from three-point range. They've got a lot of shooters, and the Hornets have not defended the three-ball very well this year. The, the Timberwolves are lucky that Jimmy Butler didn't turn Carl Anthony Towns into Kwame Anthony Towns. <laughs> when you got a guy just haranguing one of your your star young players every you know every other day. Like they they're just extremely fortunate that they were able to move Jimmy Butler, get some kind of value, and now you've seen they've they're playing better when you when you don't have one guy dominating the conversation and dominating the psyche 
every single day. Eight and three since trading Jimmy Butler. Uh, it comes to a favorable schedule for them, but they did beat Portland. They did beat New Orleans and San Antonio. I don't know if that requires a but, but there are some teams. San Antonio has kind of been going downhill since then. New Orleans has been a little bit. There was a four-game losing streak for them, but they bounced back against the Charlotte Hornets. But a couple of decent teams that they did beat, so there's no doubt that this team is playing a lot better with a couple of new guys and getting Jimmy Butler just out of town right now. And so now with Minnesota, you look at what we talk about this frequently. The amount of pressure that is on the Hornets to win in the first half of this schedule, because you have so many home games, because the sense of urgency, as Rick Bennell said, it's put on this Hornets team to win as many as they can. You know, this is a road game for sure, but you have to figure out a way to get a win against a Western Conference team, get the ones that you're not necessarily supposed to, and the Timberwolves are favored by five tonight if you're interested in lines. I mean, I get it. they just got to be good teams. I, I keep hearing these questions to Borrego about, well, are you concerned that you can't beat a Western Conference team? No, I'm, you know, he should say, no, I'm concerned that we can't beat a good team. I don't care if they're from the West, from the East. Well, I think people have had that synonymous in their brain. Like, Western Conference, it almost means good. Like, I mean, Phoenix, that, that would be the win, right? That's a Western Conference team, but the Western Conference, they are – all pretty tough I feel like people but you're right like they just need to beat good teams and you got one against the Bucks you know the Celtics were struggling they took advantage of a struggling team now still trying to figure it out but you're right I mean just win against good teams and so you lost against Utah which you failed to take advantage of their struggles so far earlier on in the season and against the uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans where I think they had won the game prior to the Hornets but they did lose four before that I mean they've failed a couple times to take advantage of some struggling teams out there in the Western Conference in Minnesota it, it would be nice it'd be nice to beat another good one so we can get back to 500 here in Charlotte what was the name of the the host of the Locked On Timberwolves podcast it was Colton Molesky Colton Molesky is there a is there a is there a more like QB one name Molesky Colton Molesky that's that's a Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield Baker is the is name that one. I I hold that to the standard of great quarterback names Colton Molesky is a fantastic one yeah quarterback what are quarterback great quarterback first names Colton I think Colt you know I think uh, Colt for, McCoy that Col- fits the bill you know Baker that's a great one just like when you hear the name Mason go, Rudolph is a good quarterback <laughs> name Mason. Mason Rudolph is a fantastic quarterback name. Just names that you hear and you go, you came out of the womb uh, with a with a perfect spiral. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about them throwing perfect spirals. Colton Molesky should not be hosting podcasts. He should be playing, and we should be hosting podcasts talking about Colton Molesky. So when you look at Minnesota tonight, and you look at the differences between the two teams... It's going to be tough for this Hornets team to go on the road, especially with their struggles defensively, to start these games. They have not started well in first quarters. You can go to a lot of different teams, a lot of different opponents, and they've got off to a hot start where they've been able to shoot the ball well pretty early on, and now you don't have Marvin. We don't know about Cody Zeller yet, I believe. We, it looks good, but I don't think we've gotten confirmation that he's going to play. No confirmation least. yet, but he did practice yesterday, so that's a good sign. Probably more information uh, around shoot-around time. But but I will say this, so if they do start Bridges tonight in place of Marvin Williams, he actually does or should have a favorable matchup, I should say, against Taj Gibson, who of the of the starters not named Andrew Wiggins is is not is having a subpar season offensively. So you know, at least if if you have to start the rookie, he starts with a decent matchup matchup against Taj. Yeah, and, and Andrew Wiggins is a guy you bring up where, you know, crazy and consistent. It's one of the 
I mean, we're approaching it being one of the worst contracts, especially if he doesn't ever pick it up. But at this point, it seems like the jury's out on him. You know, there there are times where he's consistent. But again, talking with our quarterback friend, Colton Molesky, he was discussing it's not exactly what you want to get out of your max contract, but you never know what you're going to get from him every single night. He's shooting under 40%. You know, the defense never came there with, despite all the potential. I mean, Wiggins, it looks bad for Minnesota to give him all that money right so now. So that's, I guess that's a great. Uh, thing to bring up which would you rather have would you rather have the Batum who who seems to be a non-factor sometimes but when he does shoot the ball he shoots it efficiently or do you have the bizarro world anti-Batum who has high usage and and is extremely inefficient and the Andrew Wiggins yeah I, I think just because of how long you're locked up with Andrew Wiggins salary with his contract I'm taking Nick Batum because be you, thankful Hornets fans yes. I mean you're I'm I'm still taking I'm still rolling with Nick Batum in that scenario, and I think me and Nada talked about this. And that which one would you rather have? I mean, it's it's not exactly that you're picking from gold in any scenario, but I'm still taking Nick Batum's contract because you're locked in to Andrew. Like you get rid of it after two more years after this for Nick for Andrew Wiggins, you're locked in a couple more years after that, and 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 it's still like that's a dangerous game to get caught up in because we know what you have in Nick Batum like there are still people that even might have hope for Andrew Wiggins and that's a dangerous game to not know when to let go like if we had an opportunity here in Charlotte Nick Batum would be gone if there were suitors for him where you could get some kind of decent value for Nick then you're pulling that trigger but for Andrew Wiggins I mean that that's a dangerous game to play and if when you have that kind of guy logged up at locked up in that kind of contract and yet still it's it's young it's 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 more money than Nick Batum and also you still got hope for him no thank you it's a dangerous game it. for Wiggins to play because he's <laughs> he's working at an inherent disadvantage in that he has never worn a Chicago Bulls uniform. So <laughs> that's, he's that's, that's he's right. already he was immediately on the trading block uh, from from the jump with Tibbs. So he's playing he's playing from behind already, and it's just, it's crazy to see how uh, how inefficient he is offensively. How ineff- he's not even inefficient. He's ineffective. Yeah, he's just not. It's just, it's just not. He's just doing bad things offensively. At twenty three years old, he's locked up until 2023. It's on an accelerator, so he'll be making thirty three million by the time his salary is all said and done. So it's going to be rough for Andrew Wiggins, but we'll see if the Charlotte Hornets are able to pill out a victory tonight. Uh, Derek Rose playing well and and giving the all of the basketball writers just very confused faces on how to <laughs> deal with the fact that he's playing well. I think it's interesting that I feel like in the NFL you you can talk about players and talk about what factors they are on teams despite to a certain extent despite what they've done in their in their personal lives because it's just seen as like a just a rougher game and in basketball basketball has tried to present itself uh, sort of against football as as the the kinder gentler sport the sport that understands uh, politics that understands, uh, racial divisions better than the NFL. And then you have this situation with Derrick Rose who does have these interesting things that have happened in his personal <laughs> life and nobody knows how to deal with it. We're just like, Derrick Rose, he's uh, 26 points, uh, 25 points. Uh, he's playing well. Uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, there, there's never been – he's never been crazy uh, efficient, certainly, from beyond the arc. But now, I mean, he's shooting 50% from the field and shooting almost 50% from three on three attempts. It's stupid. See, it's, you're doing it. it. You're doing it. You're, you're just you're clinging to the numbers I, because you you can't 
You can't forge your, you can't go into that territory because everyone's scared to have an opinion one way or the other. Oh, with Derrick Rose on what? On what? Just the player overall? So on you're a, no, about on, the no, attention. No, I'm, so I'm talking about his person, the things that have gone on in his personal life. So like, oh, we, for sure. We don't know how to talk about oh, him. Yeah. Well, we don't I, know how to I deal apologize. with that. I was trying to pull up his stats when you were discussing that. No, so that you weren't listening. I got it. No, I apologize. I See, just this is the problem with you. coming to your house. <laughs> yeah, you just right. play by your rules. I, I do play by You don't have to listen to me. No, I no. When you talk about Derrick Rose, that is the problem with all of this. And then you go, if if we want to enter this realm, right, where we discuss Derrick Rose and the problems that have gone on off the court for him, and then we wander into the NFL with the problem hunt in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill as well. Like that thing, when do you bring it up? So can we acknowledge that Derrick Rose is playing some of the best basketball of his career and also acknowledge that this is a guy where I'm not here for the redemption story for Derrick Rose, where there are some pretty obscene things that are written in those allegations that he did go to court for and that there was some pretty strong evidence against him in, especially with the things that he said on the stand. Like, do you bring that up? Is it is it okay to bring that up when Derrick Rose is playing so well? Is that something that you have to bring up when Derrick Rose is playing so well? That is fascinating because you see NFL analysts stumble over it all the time. Like when you're when you're watching Monday Night Football and you see Tyreek Hill catching a 50 yard bomb, it's like, yeah, well, he did punch his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach. <laughs> no, like, I, I well, haven't seen whoa, that on. Okay, I haven't like, seen yeah, that on. Like, Monday uh, Night it was a great play. Do you bring it up? At did that Witten point? bring that up? I mean, it, it's weird to hear that. And so now with Derrick Rose, like the numbers are fantastic for him, but also the, the redemption story. We can probably stay away from that. About man, Derrick Rose has had a really tough life. It's been really tough for him the last couple of years. I'm so glad to see what he's doing right now for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I feel like that's the conversation to have, and yet people don't know what they want, and so they stumble who aren't prepared for it when they are calling these games when they are trying to give their Derrick Rose takes and then you find yourself in a very weird area discussing this good basketball player but also with some problems off the court that people just don't know when to bring up so off there you the, go off the bench too there, yeah off the bench off the bench anyway, back, to the no, anyway back to the numbers and then, and then you look at his three point it's never been higher <laughs> it's it's amazing what you're getting from Derek Rose good stuff on that man that was a conversation that escalated quickly we're going to take a break we're going to come back with more Doug has some thoughts on Jeremy Lamb and maybe I'm smarter than I even realized with comparison Malik Monk to a Jeremy Lamb and maybe that he could just blossom a little bit later in his career then people are comfortable with we want him to do it now but hopefully he follows the footsteps of jeremy lamb and blossoms a little bit later you're listening to the locked on hornets podcast here on the locked on podcast network this is locked on hornets nature's first green is gold her hardest hue to hold her early leaves a flower but only so an hour Hmm. then leaf subsides to leaf so eden sank to grief so dawn goes down today nothing gold can stay we need the boys to men with that now it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast at the beginning but there are so many good drops and anytime i have to host a show solo i make sure that this one is in the rotation we need to get it back 
frequently into the rotation. I got most of these from freemusicarchive.org, made sure they were legal eagle, and freemusicarchive.org almost shut down due to lack of funding, and it looks like they have found someone to prop them up. So good news, we might be getting some more sick beats from them. Uh, Doug dropping sick beats. Ones and twos, man. You're I shouldn't a DJ. be allowed to say sick beats. Why does anyone let me say sick beats? It didn't beats? sound right, but I went with it. I, I have to say this. So, uh, you know, playing this away game, I'm in the Essex home studio here, the, the ESPN 730. And um, thanks for being a company man there. I'm surprised I only mentioned it once, I guess, but I feel impressed. like you have to say no, it. You're like right. It's, it's no, a it's... rule. There's a piece of paper on the wall that says you have to say Essex <laughs> if home studio. you don't, studio. then get out. Get That's the right. Out. Um, but see, in my home, in, in, in the home turf over at the Gitmer.com studios, I've quarantined my, my producer desk so that I don't have things to mess with because I tend to mess with things. And you have <laughs> a this. Yeah, you have a thing of tape here, a tape dispenser, and I may have made like 17 balls of tape. That I'm, I'm going to have to clean up. I'm going to have to get a vacuum cleaner because I've just destroyed all of your tape. This is it's yeah, a problem with playing the away game. There's no stress ball for you to squeeze just for whatever reason that you're doing these takes. When you're delivering a hot fire take, when you were sitting there listening to our Nick Batum <laughs> discussion, I noticed that you got a rather big piece of tape, and I think you put it on the edge of the table like you were saving it for something. People are just people are just so aggressive about Nick Batum and how they feel about Nick Batum, which is funny, right? Because he is the most laid one of the most laid back personalities on a team full of laid back personalities. And everyone is just so up in arms about Nick Batum. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But also uh, a couple of other laid back personalities is Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk. Both of those guys. <laughs> that was that is the they chill group. Are. That is the chill group. They really pretty much all are on the roster. And I think that's what's made for a pretty decent camaraderie among all of the all of the players that you've had come through the last couple of years. Al Jefferson was chill. We all know that. But you have a couple of these but Al guys. Al Jefferson was funny. No, he, like he, he was he funny. You're right. Like he gave you some personality. Like who's the most it, Frank, Frank Kaminsky? Kaminsky. It's that's a, it. yeah, absolutely. He's the only one that will give you a it. decent soundbite. That is, that is right. He's the only guy. But looking at Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk, and Doug, I, I talked about Malik Monk yesterday. Uh huh. Very interesting. Player development. Thank you. That was aggressive. That was, I just enjoyed that, the that was, episode. No, I appreciate it. No, that was aggressive. I wasn't ready for the kind of emphasis that you put on that. Yeah, get some more tape. It's all this so, tape. <laughs> so, uh, with Malik Monk, I was mentioning the player development side of things. We mm-hmm. discussed Borrego. He was emphasizing so much. I will develop Malik Monk. It will be the young players that we have to make sure develop because of the situation that we're in. We all know how important that is. And so now Malik Monk is not getting all that much run. Miles Bridges is. We've, we've discussed that. We went over that yesterday. But you thought the comparison to Jeremy Lamb was even better than maybe I had even anticipated. I'm a bigger genius than I even realized. Well, at least in terms of the thoughts that are going on in my head about Malik <laughs> Monk. And the, the comparison to, to Lamb, I think, might be apt in the future because Jeremy Lamb did not really truly blossom as an NBA player until he felt like he was on the ropes. He said it before that he felt like uh, that second year with the Hornets, it was his last chance to really make an NBA rotation and make an impact as a professional basketball player. And he changed his diet and he changed the way he trained, changed basically everything about how he prepared for the game of basketball and that was after moving to a different team. And I'm wondering, like, I, I think that Malik Monk can still be a, a serviceable NBA player, an impact NBA player. I don't think he, he will be an NBA star. But I wonder now if it's going to have to be with a different team, if he's the kind of player that will need a wake-up call 
uh, in a similar way that Jeremy Lamb had to have a wake-up call when he was moved to the Charlotte Hornets. And when you look at what Steve Clifford constantly said about Jeremy Lamb, like there, there was a lot of times where he would come in after the game and in a post-game interview, he would be he wouldn't mention a player by name ever, but he would never he would never hesitate to put them on blast. He wouldn't say it's Jeremy Lamb, but he would say so many clues to where you knew he's talking about Jeremy Lamb. In this His key instance. thing was always you'd ask about Jeremy Lamb on a night that he scored 20 points, but then like, <laughs> you know, a bit on every Dwayne Wade pump fake that possible. He would always say, yep, good offensive night. Yeah. Like that was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> offensive direct as you great. Can get. And there was a couple of other times where we would ask about Jeremy Lamb and a, a 20 point night where he's like, you know, there's a bunch of players in this league. I remember one time specifically, there's a a bunch of this uh, players in this league you know maybe even one through 15 who can have one good night maybe a little bit less but there's still a lot of players in this league that can even have a good week or good two weeks it's the guys that show up even beyond that that are consistent where that makes you a good player in this league and that's not Borrego's personality he he has not shown himself to be someone that that even indirectly or subtly or he doesn't, he's not going to subtweet a player in a press conference okay <laughs> he's just not shown that but He's also a coach that is not afraid to play with minutes. And, and that was so, it's not that Clifford was afraid to play with minutes, but he really wanted to get that consistent rotation down. So if they needed to play Jeremy Lamb, well, Jeremy Lamb was going to get 25 minutes, his defense be damned. But with, uh, with Borrego, he's not afraid to say, all right, Malik, you're not playing defense well, so here's a 10-minute game. So we're seeing him make statements, just not in the media. It's just on the basketball court on in the minutes. And, and, it was, and, and the media was the first time we had heard it, right? Like where oh. he said about Malik Monk yep. and Nick Batum that both guys, certainly Malik defensively, is going to have to show you more consistently, mm-hmm. even with the kind of bad offensive numbers he's putting up. Yeah, I'm just wondering, and this is interesting, right, that – um, you know, we we said at the beginning of the season, you know, Borrego was brought in for player development, so he was hitching his wagon to a certain extent to both Miles Bridges and um, Malik Monk. So how will this how will this show on on Borrego and his ability to, to develop players if they do have to cut bait on Malik Monk? All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap the Minnesota Timberwolves game.